0: DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett have been among the best receiving duos in the NFL for the past three seasons, but will the Seahawks have a viable third receiving option emerge in 2022? Nick Lee and I are going to be diving in on our latest Blue Friday installment of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings 12, this is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked on Seahawks. Joining me for our Blue Friday episode, my co-host Nick Lee. Thanks as always for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We are now five days away from the start of Seahawks training camp. They're going to be reporting next Tuesday, so it's drawing even closer. A few more blinks, and the Seahawks will be at the VMAX. We're going to continue our training camp preview today, checking out receivers as well as cornerbacks. Now for your lead story here on our Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. The Seahawks will report to the VMAX in five days. Training camp is just around the corner, and yet superstar receiver DK Metcalf. Still does not have a new contract. It is clearly crunch time now, Nick, as we have five days till camp. This is where John Schneider and Matt Thomas have typically made their money. A lot of extensions for big-name players happening right before the start of training camp or like last year with Jamal Adams in the first couple days of training camp. So this next week, this window here is critical. So some fans might wonder, is it time to
1: panic? Where do you stand on that front? i'm a pretty staunch no still on the panic button um if we're talking holdout fines you know he's not he's not coming to camp and he's missed several practices and he's still a no-show uh for a week or so then yeah then maybe you could start to get worried and even then you know we've seen things get done uh in time for the season and the reason why my panic level i'd say out of 10 one out of 10 it's probably at a two or three right now is that jamal adams one you mentioned last year August 17th. He was extended. I think it was August 17th of last year. So pretty, pretty, you know, far into August. And here we are on July 22nd or 20, 23rd, you know, that still mid to late July window. I know that the training camps schedule kind of lines up differently a, a bit every year, but just how late it was last year where they were well into the, you know, the preseason schedule and preseason routines where they, where they signed Jamal Adams. So that's kind of why I'm I'm still not in panic mode. Obviously it's not like he hates it here and is demanding a trade and, you know, wants, wants out. You know, there's, there's clearly some mutual interest in staying here long-term and, you know, he, he just like Jamal Adams last year, or unfortunately he did get hurt and, you know, struggled a bit last year when he was in there, but, you know, DK Metcalf doesn't need three preseason games. If things, <laughs> if things prolong that much, you know, to get, to get to, into tip top shape. But for me still, Panic level, pretty low, especially with how late they extended uh, Jamal Adams last year, who, and Metcalf now arguably is a bigger superstar.
0: Yeah, I think there's some differences here, obviously, with Metcalf having to get used to having a new quarterback. Now, Geno Smith's the guy. They had a strong rapport last year in the three starts that Smith had. So that maybe mitigates that a little bit. But he and Drew Locke have not played much together, if at all. There's been video going around of Metcalf practicing with Smith over the last couple of weeks. Now, we haven't seen anything like that with Drew Locke. That doesn't mean it hasn't happened, but this is certainly a situation where the Seahawks would like to have Metcalf there for the start of training camp, ready to go with a new contract. So I would think that there's a sense of urgency. That being said, I'm pretty low on the panic meter too. I'd say a steady three right now for me, just because there are, A few other receivers out there, namely Debo Samuel, trying to get something done with the 49ers. you got to wonder if Metcalf is watching that in the peripheral. He's already watched a number of deals. I'm going to put this chart up here for our YouTube listeners. I'll be reading through the numbers as well. You just look at the amount of orange, new contracts that have been given out to receivers this offseason. Six of the top seven highest paid receivers in the NFL per year. Received their contracts in the last four months. You got Tyree Keel coming in at number one, $30 million per year. That is quarterback money, but that's the way things are changing with this infusion of money coming from the new broadcasting deal. Salary cap's gonna keep jumping the next couple of years. Devontae Adams at 28 million, Cooper Cup, 26.7 million per year. AJ Brown now with the Eagles, 25 million, Stephon Diggs, 24 million, Terry McLaurin, 23.2 million. All those contracts. Are new. The ink might not even be dry on those contracts yet. And so you know that DK Metcalf and his agent, you know that they are going to be looking at those contracts and trying to figure out where does Metcalf fit? And He is an elite company when you're looking at his first three seasons. He's one of only five receivers ever to have 3,100 receiving yards, 29 receiving touchdowns, and over 200 receptions his first three seasons. Randy Moss and Jerry Rice are two of the other four on that list. And I think Odell Beckham is also on that list. It's pretty elite company that we're talking about here. So he has earned big bucks. I still think when you look at those contracts Somewhere in that 25 to $27 million range between where Cooper Cup and A.J. Brown, his former college teammate at Ole Miss, sit, that is still where I'm expecting that Metcalf is going to get his contract offer. And I still believe, Nick, that this is going to happen in the next five to seven days. I think this next week is going to be crucial. John Schneider, Matt Thomas, they are pros at being able to hammer out these deals at the last minute. This is their window, their sweet spot. And so I think they're going to get it done. Now, if we get a few days into training camp, then I think the panic meter will start to rise a little bit, maybe not too much. I still think this deal gets done, but you get midway through training camp. And of course, those trade rumors that are still out there, they might start to get a little bit more teeth if the Seahawks start to realize we can't get this done at the price we want. But I don't think we're
1: at that point right now. No, and I think I'm... I'm assuming the Seahawks have made it pretty clear. You're not getting Tyreek Hill money. <laughs> you're not getting, you know what Russell Wilson got, you know, a couple contracts ago as a quarterback. It's just insane what the, the money that they're getting, which is good. It's good for the game. I mean, the game is thriving. Um, but yeah, I agree that in that, in that range, you know, I, I think there might be some gamesmanship with his old college teammate of Ole Miss and AJ Brown with the Eagles there. And I think it was four years and hundred million for 25 million a year. You know, that might be the the starting point. <laughs> of, of getting it done. And you know, those are pretty, they've, they've been compared their whole careers and probably will be, and they probably compare each other. I think there's some friendly, you know, spirit of competition there uh, between the two. And maybe it's, it'll be as petty as like, you know, the price is right. Where I, I think it was, a, it was a Francisco Lindor for baseball too. When Tatis got his 340 million, uh, Francisco Lindor signed for 341 million, you know, just that, that kind of thing where he, Oh, four years, 101 million, please. they're just, I, I could see that being the, the starting point. There is uh, is the AJ Brown, Stephon Diggs, Cooper Cup range, um, and, and we can argue about who's the better receiver there. But that's just the, what what the money is looking at right now. So if I was a betting man, um, which I'm turning into one, it's kind of it's not good. But, um, uh, it, it, I'm going to say I'd say about four years, you know, 105, 110 million. I think that would be a good a good spot for him. Obviously, he's not going to get Tyreek 30 million a year, but I think he's I think he is worth more than the Terry McLaurin. Uh, a deal, I think right somewhere in between there, obviously. So like a DeAndre Hopkins kind of level deal, 27.2 or Cooper Cup, 26.7. I'm, I'm strictly talking on the average annual value, something like that. I think that it's a very reasonable for both sides. Obviously, he's a top seven, top five, arguably receiver in the NFL. What We saw that rankings last year or last week of just how stacked this receiver group is. And Metcalf absolutely belongs on that list and absolutely belongs uh, or deserves to be paid like one.
0: And NFL teams, they've had to treat quarterback payments like playing the game of Jenga. Because when you're paying a quarterback $45 million, you're going to have to subtract somewhere else. So you're looking at your foundation. Okay, we can keep this guy. But you know what? I think I can go cheaper at corner. Let's see if we can pull this one out here and keep a championship structure. It's very difficult. You've got to wonder if teams are going to start approaching receiver that way at some point with these guys getting... 25, 26, 27, $30 million per year, these elite talents, especially with how many good receivers seem to come out of college football every year. The, the proliferation of seven on seven is going to continue that moving forward. So, teams eventually, I think, are going to reach a point where they're going to say, you know what? I think I can get a player that is maybe not as good at right now, but is going to be very good at a rookie deal. And I'm going to move on from you. And I'm going to stop playing Jenga with wide receivers. But right now, teams are going to not do that. If you get an elite talent like DK Metcalf, who's just 24, I'm advocating for signing him. He needs to be here. You pay your star players. I do think there will come a point, though, and maybe the Titans were a team doing that with A.J. Brown. There are going to be teams saying, you know what? I'm going to say no right now. I'm not paying that kind of money. I don't expect the Seahawks to be one of those teams, though. I anticipate this deal is going to get done in the next six or seven days. Everything's been quiet on this front, which honestly to me is is decent news. I think something's getting hammered out behind the scenes, and I anticipate this deal is going to get signed. Speaking of Seattle's receiver group, Metcalf obviously going to be headlining that group. Hopefully is going to be in a Seahawks uniform this year, and they get that long-term deal hashed out. The Seahawks will also have Tyler Lockett. But who's going to emerge as that third receiver? We're going to be checking out the entire receiving group when we come back in the latest installment of our training camp preview. From the people who invented healthy and tasty, come to the latest gift to your taste buds. You've probably tried the amazing Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar. But guess what? Your friends at Built, they've done it again. They've given Coconut Brownie Chunk the puffs treatment. That's right. Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar flavor you love in a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness, but stop drooling and listen, they are good for you. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and all delicious. And they're only here for a limited time. So make sure to go to built.com and make sure you don't miss out. Delicious coconut, rich, sweet brownie, creamy marshmallow. Stop fantasizing. Go to built.com to order your box of coconut brownie chunk built Puffs right now. Visit built.com and use the promo code LOCK15 and get 50% off your order. That's LOCK15 at built.com for 50% off your next order. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me for today's show, my co-host, Nick Lee. Thanks, as always, for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen 5 days a week and make sure to check out this came out on July 18th which NFL stars moved the betting line the most locked on gives you the 50 most valuable players in the NFL from the odds makers at bet online again that became available July 18th on locked on NFL you can listen wherever you get your podcast as well as on YouTube continuing our training camp preview nick we just talked about DK Metcalf's contract situation he still doesn't have a new deal but as long as he is in town, going to be your number one receiver. You also have 1B and Tyler Lockett, who's been one of the most productive receivers in the NFL as well, actually had more receiving yards than Metcalf last season. Metcalf won the touchdown title, though, with 12 touchdowns. These two have just been so dynamic. They're the only pair of receivers with over 3,100 yards apiece the last three years in the entire league. So there's like six players in the league that have done that. They're the only teammates on that list. The problem's been... Who else is going to be able to step up and catch the football? David Moore is the only receiver in the last three years since Metcalf came in a league that's produced at least 400 receiving yards in a season. Doug Baldwin is the last player not not named Metcalf or Lockett to eclipse 500. He did that in his final season in 2018. So the essential question for this group, Nick, is somebody finally going to emerge as a viable number three receiver to
1: complement DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett? I feel like that's the question we ask a lot and coming into the season. Um, And and I'll do you one better on that fun fact. It's been since 2017, since a guy named Paul Richardson (laughs) uh, got 703 yards that season, since a player not named Metcalf, Lockett or Baldwin has eclipsed 500 yards. So um, they've really lacked not just a consistent, you know, third receiver, but really any third receiver that they can truly trust and, and, and be, and turn the two-headed monster sort of kind of into a three-headed monster. They, they really have not had that. Of course, uh, we're, we're pretty spoiled here in Seattle with Lockett and Metcalf. I think most, if not all, NFL teams besides Seattle would trade their top two for those top two. I, I think that that's – if you have to package both of those and make them a trade, you know, I, I don't know an NFL team that would turn that down. Um, for me, the, the, the spotlight, the guy that I, 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 I'm starting to believe in that could be finally that guy – uh, unfortunately just couldn't get it together in his rookie year last year, had had some tough luck, some tough breaks, um, a concussion, uh, a nagging injury in camp. D. Eskridge, I was a big fan of him out of college. I actually got to see him play in person in college, and he, he's just a guy that jumps off the page with sub-440 speed. Um, he's got all, all the traits you want and a, kind of a, a jitterbug, you know, yak, get him out in space, jet sweeps, pop pass kind of receiver. And those are the guys, especially on a Shane Waldron type offense. Especially as you know, you're not tailoring to a quarterback that wants to run the show and doesn't really, and, and you don't have that quarterback that can really take over a game. You're going to want your quarterback to play a bit more point guard, and you know, to distribute. And you're going to need more than just Lockett and Metcalf to do that if you're going to have any sort of success this year. And D. Eskridge is a guy that has a complementary skill set. I was looking for guys that kind of have, you know. Mech has obviously got all got it all. He's an Avenger. He's a superhero. He's got the speed, the size, the physique, yeah. the mentality, it, the precision, and he's got some speed. I think D. Eskridge has that skill set, that that true elite speed that complements those two enough to be a different look, a changeup, and and to to integrate into the offense to so where he can get a decent volume because it's really we're trying to figure out who can get the volume of touches and looks to get to that number of the five hundred yards. And D. Eskridge, I think, has an opportunity to do that since he's a bit of a different receiver. And this offense can evolve such to where he can have that opportunity.
0: In being a second-round pick a year ago and getting picked instead of Creed Humphrey, there's obviously a lot of pressure now on him to be able to go out and stay healthy and produce. And I'm with you. I watched this kid play at Western Michigan in person. And I've also got some links to some of his former coaches that coached him in high school. He grew up about 40 minutes from my house And the kid has all the physical traits that you want. And he was a productive player on top of it in college. It's not, you know, one of those guys that comes in the league. Well, he's just got the traits. The production hasn't been there. No, the production was there. He led every receiver in the nation in all-purpose yards his final season with the Broncos. So this kid has all the talent in the world with that sub four four speed, and at 190 pounds, he's powerful. This is a kid that'll break arm tackles, and so you want to get him involved in the screen game, which has been a huge problem for the Seahawks basically for a decade and a half. Even before Pete Carroll, they had issues with running screens on offense, and they can't stop him on defense. So it's been a, a real problem for him. Can they get that screen game cleaned up and get the ball into Eskridge's hands so that he can make plays after the catch? And he's also got the ability to win downfield with that speed. This is not a screen and quick slant guy that can't go over the top. He can win over the top. So you've got a lot of options with him. I'm going to go a little different direction with my spotlight player. And I actually had a kind of hard time with this because it's funny you know, you look at the production of their number three receiver or number four receiver, and it hasn't been there. And yet there's been a lot of talent behind DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. I think they have as much depth right now as they've ever had at the receiver position. You've got a veteran of Marquise Goodwin that can be a reliable third or fourth receiver. Freddie Swain improved a lot last year. Maybe he takes another big step forward, but you've got two rookies, Bo Melton, and Dariq Young that you picked in a three-pick span in the seventh round in April. I'm going to spotlight the second one they picked. Bo Melton could be a very good NFL player. I thought he was going to get picked much earlier than that. But derek the Freak Young, there's just something about him that it, it intrigues me. Now, he might come into camp and just be completely overwhelmed coming from a Division II school. He might be a guy that needs a year on the practice squad before he's truly ready with the bullets flying in training camp at the NFL level to be able to compete. I don't think that's what's going to happen, though. This kid has really rare size to go with speed. He's 6'3, 222 pounds, ran a four four four. had a sub 6.9 second three cone. So there's a big difference between him and DK Metcalf. This guy's got great change of direction skills. He has ran the football. He's played in multiple types of offense. He has played every special team. He can return kicks. He can play a gunner role. So he just fascinates me. And I I really want to see both these seven-round picks, and I think both of them have a legitimate opportunity to make this roster the back half of that receiving group, especially if they can make an impact on special teams like I think they both are capable of. But Derrick Young, to me, the ceiling is higher even than Bo Melton. I think Melton's got a lot of upside because he hasn't played with good quarterbacks at the college level. You know, Put him with decent quarterbacks. We'll see what Seattle has at that position this year. But this is a kid that has been hindered by that production-wise, but I think the upside is there. Derrick Young, though, his ceiling is through the roof with his physical tools, his versatility, his size, and just what he has overcome to reach this point. He's also an incredibly intelligent dude with an engineering degree. And so you just love everything about his makeup. And so I'm excited to see what he can do. Now, let's get to our bold predictions here at the receiver position. I had like five different directions that I thought about going. So I'm going to let you share your prediction first. What is your bold prediction at receiver for the Seahawks this year?
1: Well, I'm going to stick with kind of my bit this for this uh, section, and I'm, I'm going to ride the DS train until it falls off the track. So we ride at the promised land with it, and I'm going to say he is the first one since well, since Paul Richardson that's not named Baldwin Lockett or uh, Metcalf to reach. 500 yards. I really think, especially with this offense, I know the quarterback position is a little bit of a, a question mark, and you know how many passing yards will there be to go around. But I, I truly think he has the skill, and this offense could aid in him finally becoming that that true third option and, and reach that 500 yard plateau. There's a number of statistical predictions that I could make here. I
0: could do the the you know conventional and go with Metcalf or Lockett for this particular one, but I'm just going to look at the 53 man roster right now. I don't know that he stays on the roster for the entirety of the season, but I think that Cody Thompson is making this football team out of camp. And some of our listeners might be thinking, what about Penny Hart? We didn't even mention him. And he's played almost 30 games the last two years. There's just something about Cody Thompson. And I think Shane Waldron really likes him. And Sanjay Law really likes him coming back as the receiver coach this year. And I think when you listen to what Drew Locke has said, Drew Locke, has a pretty good relationship that he's built with Cody Thompson. If Locke ends up winning this job, part of it could be him throwing to Cody Thompson during training camp. Those two actually worked out in Dallas early this offseason after the trade went through, sending him from Denver to Seattle. So I think Cody Thompson is a name to keep a close eye on. He's just He's been that guy that just every year he just takes a step up. He was a practice squad guy, and then he gets a few chances last year to be elevated. He recovers a fumble on special teams. He's a good special teams player. He's got a little bit of size. So I just think, you know, Dariq Young, I don't know if he can make this roster right off the bat. I like the upside, but maybe he starts on practice squad and then gets on the roster late in the year. But I think Cody Thompson on day one is going to be one of the receivers on this depth chart. This is going to be an incredibly fascinating position because you've got, I think there's at least nine or 10 guys on this football team that are NFL caliber receivers. Because I didn't even mention Kate Johnson, Penny I just threw that name out there. Aaron Fuller. I mean, there are some guys near the bottom of the depth chart that probably could play for a few other teams in the league. And I don't know that they have a fighting chance to make this football team. There's a ton of depth. And so that competition is going to be intense behind Metcalf and Lockett. And you're hoping Eskridge and Swain are your three and four. And those two guys can take a big step forward. Now, the defenders who have to cover receivers in training camp, the corners, that is a group that underwent a lot of changes this offseason as well. So we're going to be taking a look at that wide open quarterback competition coming up here in a moment. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including the second half of this Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting and wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, whether it's MMA, boxing, or golf. Head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action that unlock where the game starts. You're listening to Locked on Seahawks podcast, Blue Friday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined today by my co-host, Nick Lee. Thanks, as always, for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify or streaming video wise five days a week on YouTube. Now, make your second list in the Lockdown NFL podcast. Our national NFL experts and insiders keep fans dialed in with the biggest stories and the latest news from around the league because an offseason doesn't equal a break in the action. We just talked receivers on the opposite side of the line of scrimmage. The cornerbacks have a very difficult job. They got to try to slow down those receivers. And today's NFL, with the way rules are catered, that's pretty darn challenging. And the Seahawks, for a second straight year, They are going to go into this season with quite a bit of turnover at the corner position. DJ Reed is now in New York, just like Shaquille Griffin going to Jacksonville the year before. So one of their starters is gone. They did re-sign Sidney Jones. They brought in Artie Burns, who Sean Desai, the new associate head coach, knows really well from working with in Chicago. And they used a pair of draft picks on Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolen in the fourth and fifth round. They're really excited about both of those players so when it comes to an essential question for this group, it really boils down to who's going to survive and advance in this wide open competition that probably has five players that are capable of winning a starting
1: job on the outside. Yeah. I mean, Pete Carroll must be chomping at the bit with this. Not only does he love his cornerbacks, but it's it really is the, the always compete mantra right now with, with this group. Sidney Jones, Trey Brown, Artie Burns, Kobe Bryant, Tariq Woolen. Justin Coleman, John Reed, Michael Jackson—all these guys, you know, really probably believe they at least have an outside shot at getting a, a starting role or at least at least being on the roster, if not starting. I mean, it really is truly wide open. Uh, you know, Sidney Jones has that pedigree, that draft pedigree. He's had some NFL success, um, but other than that, you know, Artie Burns too, you know, and Justin Coleman. But there's there's a lot of unknown, untapped talent there. Um, guys, we've seen a little bit, you know, sh- flash and show themselves as as uh, as being that good, but, you know, injuries or whatever, for me, that guy I'm, I'm going to spotlight is Trey Brown. I, I I think that he can be a pretty fine corner. And and I think DJ Reed helped usher in this new cornerback era in Seattle with the the, the short, the shorter, not short, but, you know, shorter uh, than they, they normally traditionally have gone at corner. Um, Trey Brown at 5'10". Um, I forget what DJ Reed was, but he couldn't have been more than that in 5'10", 5'9", or something like that. Um, but he he was fierce. He was competitive. He had good ball skills, good instincts. And I think the Seahawks are starting to maybe change their tune a little bit. And Trey Brown is the manifestation of that, drafting him uh, 5'10". And and for me, obviously, his season was cut short, which really stumped because I, I believe that he he was on he was on pacement you know, maybe not to be defensive you know, rookie of the year or whatever, but five games. And I really like some of the peripheral numbers: 63.3 passer rating and 50% completion percentage allowed in 16 targets. That's very, very solid numbers. Obviously, a smaller sample size, um, but you can just see the competitiveness. Um, I just like some of the scouting reports you see on them, uh, Things like special teams demon, and it's just a, a guy that he has that, you know, that that kind of you know, puts out that a mantra that puts out that that aura that he's he's coming and he's he's fierce. And demon-like, I guess, if you want to <laughs> embrace that that uh, notion. But um, for him to, you know, it's obviously the question of mark of, of health. Is he going to be healthy enough to truly, from day one, be part of this competition? And you know that that's that remains to be seen. Um, if he's not starting week one, my belief is because he's not healthy, not because he can't do it. Because um, I, I truly think that he he is that good. Yeah, I think that's the big issue here. It's all about health, because we saw what this kid can do. That stop that
0: he had in overtime against the Steelers, that was his coming out party. And for him to just come up and blow up Ray-Ray McLeod, who's pretty good after the catch and is a good special teams player, but stopped him right in his tracks, that was an eye-opening play. And then we saw him have a couple really nice starts, then unfortunately gets the patellar tendon injury against the Cardinals. The season's over, and that's such a tough injury for any NFL player to come back from. It's ruined many a career. More guys are coming back successfully now, but it's still an injury that's tough to come back from. He might be on the pup list when the Seahawks open camp next week, and who knows how long he'll be on that before he's cleared to be able to go out and actually participate in practice. So he might not be able to compete on day one. I know somebody that will be able to, though, and that is Kobe Bryant coming from Cincinnati, and I've talked him up a lot on this podcast just because he's a playmaker. And at Cincinnati, he had nine interceptions – nearly 30 pass breakups in the last four years for the Bearcats and Ahmad Gardner was on the other side the last three years and opponents didn't want to throw to Sauce Gardner a top five draft pick for the Jets and understandably they didn't want to throw him so they attacked Kobe Bryant and they paid for it most of the time this is a guy that doesn't have the greatest athletic traits he was in the eighth percentile in the three cone drill for example that that is not good but He plays with better change of direction and movement skills in the field, in part because his instincts are outstanding. They're impeccable. He knows how to read receivers. He runs routes for receivers. And that's how he ends up in position where he can get his hands in the football frequently and get a lot of interceptions. He's also a physical player. He'll come up and he'll stick in the run game, limit guys after the catch when they do make catches against him. And he was the Jim Thorpe Award winner last year. Not Ahmad Gardner. He was voted as the best defensive back in the country, and the stats bear it out. It's a guy that can score touchdowns on defense, too. I was really impressed by what I saw in the offseason program from him. Again, that's not real football, but you can still see some things. And I think he's got a very good chance to win a starting job on day one, especially if Trey Brown isn't there the first week or so to be able to compete Then Kobe Bryant has got a door in front of him wide open to take one of those two starting spots. And I think the Seahawks are blown away by his ball skills, his IQ, his football savvy. He's got a very good opportunity to make some noise early and be what Jamal Adams called him a few weeks back, the steal of the draft for the Seahawks. I think he can be that guy and start on day one at cornerback, which leads to the bold prediction. The other rookie for the Seahawks that I have really not talked about during this segment, Tariq Woolen, I think Kobe Bryant is a starter on day one. I don't think that's a bold prediction necessarily, though. This other one is the bold prediction. And I wouldn't have said this a month ago, but I just have a feeling that Pete Carroll is going to have a very hard time if Tariq Woolen makes strides during the season and grows quickly technique wise. I think he's going to have a very hard time not getting him in the lineup at some point. So my bold prediction is Tariq Woolen starts at least three games as a rookie this year at cornerback. That is a spicy one. Maybe it doesn't happen, but I was impressed. They have been impressed by what they've seen so far, and he's got size and athleticism you simply can't coach. If Pete Carroll and company can really accelerate his growth, if Trey Flowers could play right away, this kid has a chance to play at some point in his rookie year. So I'm saying three starts for Tariq Woolen this year. Ooh, put down
1: the ghost pepper sauce that's pretty spicy <laughs> uh but I, I could see it just with his raw talent his raw skills I could you I know mean, it's so tantalizing and, and, and it's hard not to get carried away and thinking about what he truly is capable of if he kind of uh, you know owns in his skills as a cornerback in the in the NFL my bold prediction is I don't know if it's bold but it's certainly one that the Seahawks have not had a ton of and that's uh, lately at least, and that's cornerbacks that, that get multiple picks and, and just are that ball skill guy that turns into interceptions. I think Kobe Bryant, I'm going to go with another rookie. I'm going to kind of tag, ride your coattails for a second. I think he's going to get three interceptions. I think that teams are maybe, you know, one corner, the other corner spot is a bit more established and they're going to test the rookie a little bit. And I think they're going to regret testing the Jim Thorpe award winner. He's got nine interceptions the last four years at Cincinnati. He knows, and they, they played some darn good football teams. If you don't, if you don't recall, you know, look back and see some of the teams that since he played, especially this past season. You know, Notre Dame, Alabama, for to to name a few. Um, but he's got that ball, he's got that dog in him. You know, he he just he has. While I mentioned that, you know, Trey Brown might be a bit of a, a changing of, of philosophy with the corners at, at, in Seattle. You know, Kobe Bryant is a guy that is very much a Richard Sherman, alpha. You know, don't back down from no challenge kind of guy, and I, yeah. that that excites me, and that could turn into three interceptions.
0: Yeah, I actually predicted that a few days back that I thought three interceptions for him. So you and I, maybe we are reading each other's mind. But I do think Kobe Bryant's got a prime opportunity here in front of him. If Trey Brown's ready to start training camp, then that is gonna be fun just watching those two battle because they both have that mindset that the Seahawks are looking for and Sidney Jones does too. And so this is going to be just like the receiver position. Like I mentioned, beginning of the segment, you've got five corners. And I might even make six because we didn't mention Michael Jackson. Uh, But I think he's got a chance to be a thriller in this competition, potentially, and make things interesting. He played well in the two games he played last year, and the Seahawks are high on him. So it would be a long shot for him to make this roster with the talent they've got, the rookies they brought in. But don't discount. Michael Jackson he's got an opportunity maybe to be in the mix here too and then the slot position you've got Marquise Blair, Ugo Amadi, the veteran Justin Coleman, maybe John Reed this is going to be a lot of fun watching these cornerbacks go at it and I'm much more intrigued by this competition now than I was this time last year because it was already apparent guys like Akella Witherspoon weren't necessarily fitting in the scheme that they were looking for them to do so I don't think that's going to be the case with a number of rookies that they're intrigued by getting Trey Brown back. Artie Burns being a fit already with Sean Desai. This is going to be very competitive and this could go a number of different ways. So can't wait to see what happens once training camp opens next week. And we start to see this competition play out on the field. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Nick at Nick Lee 51. Check out Locked on Seahawks and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and of course on YouTube streaming five days a week coming up next week on monday rob rang and i are going to continue our training camp preview we're going to wrap things up position wise with tight ends and edge rushers enjoy your weekend we'll see you then go hawks